Almighty God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for us being able to start out a new year. I know, God, things may have been challenging the first uh, six days for some individuals, but yet we are all alive, we're all here, and we have things to be grateful for. God, it could be so much worse, so much more challenging, but yet you've already blessed us, even as the year just begins, even some blessings that we don't even see or realize. But I pray that even now as we get into your word, you help us to see what you want us to see, God. Help us to understand what you want us to understand, and help us to focus on what you want us to focus on. Father, we love you and thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Joshua chapter 3. This is a... A very uh, interesting chapter, but I think it really applies not just to them back then, but to us here today. And, um, you know, the 12 disciples that Jesus trained were all different. Different backgrounds, different cultures, different personalities. They were fishermen, they were zealots, they were tax collectors, they were nationalists. I mean, they were a whole bunch of different people. But they all had one thing in common. They all believed God's promises, and they were trying to obey what he told them to do. Now, were they perfect? No, only Jesus was perfect. But yet, even though they were so different, they found common ground to help them be unified and move forward. You know, this is a very different group, the people in this room here. If you just look around at a minute and just look at the different kind of people that are sitting with us today. We're all different in different kind of ways. Some people tell me I have an accent, that I sound country, and I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying. I really, no, I really don't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> because that's just not how I was brought up with those kind of uh, accents and different things. I'm, I'm, I'm ticking up here, I'm buzzing. Huh? Not me? I'm good? Oh, that's Barbara? You ain't got to say nothing else. But what we're studying today <laughs> is not just a history situation. It's something that really applies to where we are in life. And I truly believe God wants us to learn from this very thing. You know, the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years. 40 years. That's longer than some of us have been alive. They were in the desert wandering. And then they get to the Jordan River. And across the Jordan River, they could see the promised land. The land that their forefathers had told them God had designed for them. So there, here they are at the end on the oasis of the Jericho. And they're looking across and they can see the promised land that God had for them. Now, for years and years, they have been walking and walking, and now they're almost there. They're not fully in the promised land, but they, it's just right there, almost like they could grasp it. And you know, many times that's how we feel in life. We are in a great church, but it's not quite there complete where God wants it to be. And we even feel that. This is great, nothing against it, but it's not quite there. I mean, even the, the fellowship it is, is great, but it's not quite all the way. Ooh. You know, and it's like uh, serving in kids' kingdom. It's great, but we still don't have where so many people, we're turning people back from serving in kids' kingdom. You know, it's like it's a great church, but still not everybody's coming on time. I mean, great mission team, Bible talks, but not everybody's showing up. It's like we're right there on the edge, but we're not quite there yet. 
And I'm trusting that what we're going to talk about today, God will help us to see, okay, let me get where I need to be at. And God wants me to be where he calls for me to be. So here they are on the oasis of the Jericho. Where they want to be, they can see it, it's close, but there's one thing that's hindering them from being in the promised land. And that's the Jordan River. Major challenge in their life, the Jordan River. The Jordan River is nearly uh, 200 yards wide, except in the rainy season. And it was the rainy season right now. During the rainy season, it's a mile plus long. So you can see more than a mile. So they can still see across it, but now it's not 200 yards. Now it's over a mile, and the water's raging on down. They're thinking, that's where I want to be, but this is where I'm at now. And the thing that's stopping me from being there is this raging river. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Sittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Then he said, listen, first of all, don't go near the ark. Because God already said, don't touch the ark. The ark stumbled one time and somebody thought, ooh, let me be helpful and touch it. Touched it, God killed him. Don't touch the ark. But he said, listen, the ark's going to go out before you, and then you know what? You guys follow it out there, and this is how we're going to go because you don't know where you're going. Now, the amazing thing is that they have been walking for 40 years. They get to where the promised land is, and now God says, wait three more days. And you're thinking, three more days? I've been out here 40 years. Well, i got to wait three more days. Well, it was important that they waited three days. And here's why. Point number one, time for spiritual preparation. Now notice what they talk about here is time for spiritual preparation. God was about to perform one of the truly great miracles. And he wanted the Israelites not only to witness it, but to understand the importance of what was about to happen. The river is flowing, it's surging, and again, for them to cross this river, it showed that it wasn't them that was doing it, but the strong arm of the Lord, their Savior, was going to walk them through it and save them. Now I want us to notice in verse 3 what it says here again. Giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was to go first. Now, what is so important about the Ark of the Covenant? Why is that important back then, and why is it important now? Thanks for asking that, James. The importance of the Ark is this. You remember previously, God had led his people for 40 years through a, a pillar of fire or through a cloud. And now they get to enter the promised land, and there's no pillar of fire or cloud. Now the Ark is going to lead the way. The ark represents God and God's presence himself. No fire, no cloud, but he's saying God himself 
is going to lead you into the promised land. The ark is mentioned 16 times in chapters 3 and 4 alone in Joshua. Because it represents God's presence. So when they followed the ark, it was as though they were following God himself. So, that leads me to another question, Stanley. Why does this verse say wait three days? Three days beside a raging river. Do you know how loud a river is? I mean, it, 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 I'm not talking about a little pond you can just go across, but I'm talking about a, a raging river. Water's flowing, you see it, white caps over rocks. He got a little clip here I want you to see. This is a, a more of today's Jordan River. But just picture, uh, if we can, a river flowing like this back in that day. We're going to pray about this first. <laughs> Even if you can't, picture it in your mind. <laughs> because, again, we're not talking about a little pond where you can throw out your fishing line and, you know, the fish start flapping coming in. A raging river is nothing to play with. I mean, water's going, it's going so fast. On the fire department, especially in Oklahoma, one of the things we were taught was swift water rescue. And that's challenging because there's a lot of things that happen in the rivers that are there uh, in the Midwest. But one of the things we had to do is teach people how, if you're floating down a river and you're like bumped off your canoe, what do you do? Make sure you float with your feet first, your, like your sitting position. In case logs or something come, your feet will hit the logs. If you're just going down like this, your head's going to hit it, you're going to get knocked out, you're going to be dead. So they try to teach you how to float down there. We had to learn how to tie knots and ropes under the water with gloves on in case we had to tie things off. This was all in a river. It wasn't like the Jordan flowing at heavy rain season. It was just a simple river in the Midwest. But yet it was so hard to stand up in this river because the water, the current, just constantly was pushing you. And you're trying to tie a knot under the water as the water's pushing you. Extremely difficult. Very challenging to do. So here's God saying, listen. Here's this raging river, and I want you to sit by this river for three days. Now, for three days, they had to listen to this river. All day, all night. Every time they wake up, they had to look at it. And for three days, they're thinking, i got to cross this? How am I going to get across this? Now, it's not like today, let's build a bridge, let's get all this stuff together, we could hover over it or something. You didn't have any of that. Only thing they can think of is, we got to get across this thing. Don't know how, but yet God is calling us to get across this thing. Now, here's the thing. He told them in verse 5, look at what it says in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow... The Lord will do amazing things among you. The reason he had them wait three days was for spiritual preparation. In other words, they had to consecrate themselves, purify themselves, cleanse themselves. Why? Because God was going to do something amazing. Let me ask you this. Are you ready for a miracle? Now let's think about it seriously. Is our region ready for a miracle? Let's say God blessed us with 50 people added to the kingdom by the end of February. Are you ready for that? Because that means we're going to need more people serving in kids' kingdom. Are you ready to serve? That means we're going to need more Bible talks. 
Are you ready to start leading the Bible class? That means those 50 people that are at it is going to need somebody to meet them before church to have a quiet time with them or pray with them. Are you ready to be here before 10 o'clock at 9 o'clock to teach somebody who just got baptized how to have a quiet time? See, the issue isn't what the church doing. The issue is, are you ready for a miracle? We want to see miracles happen. We want those things to happen. Sometimes God doesn't give us miracles because we're not ready to do what it takes to take care of the miracle that God gives us. I want this. God give us that. Are you really ready for it? See, that's why he said, you need to wait three days. Because you're not even ready to see something amazing happen. Are you ready for God to bless this region? That means you are going to have to change. That means you are going to have to step up. That means you are going to have to get out of your comfort zone. That means you're going to have to wake your little kids up a little bit earlier to get them ready for church so you can be at church early. Or you, the grown adult, get up and get ready. That means you're going to have to go to Bible talk. That means, are you ready for a miracle? Some of you say, I can't do all that. You know what? Are you ready to come to church to be the most enthusiastic fellowship person in the church? You may not be able to lead a Bible talk. You may not be able to get on your knees every day and pray. We all got back issues, knee issues, shoulder issues. We got issues. But that doesn't stop you from coming in, putting on a big smile on your face, hugging somebody, and saying an encouraging word. You say, I can't do all those other things you asked me to do, Pastor. I can't do them. But you can come in here and hug and smile like nobody else. Are you ready for a miracle? That's the question. Now, I'm going to be honest and say, we're not. Because there's about 15 people clap their hands. If you can't even clap, you ain't ready for a miracle. How are you going to come in and help somebody else by being a good example if you can't even say amen or clap your hands? Now, I'm not saying we need to do something for show. That's back, that's back in the old church days. We ain't doing nothing for show nowadays. We need to do it because it's between us and God. It's about me and God. So, we need to ask God, God, am I really ready for a miracle? And if I'm not, change me in whatever way I need to be changed. Because I, not to my glory, but to your glory, I want to be a part of an amazing thing this year. Our region will be amazing if we're each ready for a miracle. If half of us are ready for a miracle, great things are going to happen. But if all of us are ready for a miracle, amazing things are going to happen. And this is what he tells them. He says, listen, you need to get spiritually prepared because something amazing is about to happen. You say, why are we fasting and praying on Monday? That's my day to go to Chuck E. Cheese. And I can't be fasting at Chuck E. Cheese. You know what? You're going to have to let Chuck E. go on his own. Let Chucky go. But you got to say, you know what? If that's what it takes to help us get on track, I'm willing to do it. See, again, this isn't a church rule that if you don't fast and pray Monday, you kicked out the church. No, this is about you and God. You want to do this? If you want to give a prayer for a miracle, then do it. If you don't, you don't. 
is between you and God. And you can act like next Sunday, hey, I fasted and prayed, but if you didn't, God knows you didn't. So I suggest you just be quiet and don't act like you did, Ananias and Sapphira. Just keep it quiet and do what you're going to do. Look in verse 13. Wait, let me, let me go back here. I want, to, I want to talk a little bit more about this for a minute. Look in verse 6. Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Gergesites, Amorites, and Jebusites, and any other ite that's up in this place. <laughs> See the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. He says, y'all need to wait three days to get ready for something amazing. Because what you're about to see is going to just totally change your life. Not only is it getting ready for God to work, the important thing also is a matter of having faith in God's involvement. Again, having faith in it. What he says in verse 13. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Now let me remind you of Hebrews 11 verse 1, the biblical definition of faith. Now faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now, when they crossed the Red Sea, what happened? Moses put his arms up, all the waters parted, and they walked across on dry land. Great miracle. What's even more amazing, what even takes more faith, is the Lord saying, you priests, tie them little rolls up a little bit, and you walk on out in the water. And as soon as your foot steps in the water, I'm going to stop it upstream. Faith is being sure of what you hope for. You know they were hoping, oh God, please let them go outside. They were so sure of what they hoped for, they did That's what the ancients were commended for. They hoped for something and they were so sure that God was going to come through, that God was involved in this, that they walked on out in the water. See, that's a whole different definition of wade in the water. All this river flowing a mile and a half across, and yet they're not just walking. They're carrying the ark, heavy ark, poles, and they're walking out into the water. The Bible says, as soon as your foot steps in the water, then I'm going to stop. Now, this is an amazing thing. Because Israel could not enter the promised land without faith. Without those Levites having faith to step out into the water, 
while it was still there, it wasn't dry land yet, they couldn't enter the promised land. You and I cannot enter a relationship with God without stepping out on faith. They couldn't enter, we can't enter. Now again, look in verse 15, Joshua 3, verse 15. Well, let's just start at 14. Let's get the whole story in there. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zerath. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arab, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. While all the Israelites passed by until the whole nation had completely crossed on dry ground. Now here's the amazing thing. They stepped out there. By the time they went from the water's edge to the middle, it was completely dried up. But it wasn't completely dried up when they started out, like at the Red Sea. So they step out there into the water, and God did what he promised. He stopped the water way up in the city of Adam. But they still had to have faith. Because they didn't know he stopped it. Adam is 18 to 20 miles away from where they crossed the Jericho. So they had to have faith. Okay, he said he's going to stop this thing. I sure hope it all completely stops and dries up before we get out there. You know what? This is just like us today. You don't always see that God is involved at the time. Because we don't always see the big picture. They started walking out on faith even though they couldn't see where he stopped the water from flowing. Our problem? Y'all see me over here like this. This side of the road, we're going to get a little fire. This is my New Year's resolution. <laughs> see, the problem is, some of us, we don't trust God until we know the complete plan. But yet, I know there's a big picture. Thus, I trust God and His involvement. Now, let me tell you something else that's interesting. Uh, I'm glad you asked this, Nina. Because back in the Red Sea, they parted the water and the the millions of people crossed over. And that was an all-night affair. Here, if they had made a 200-yard wide dry ground, you know how long it would have took for two plus million people to cross that? So instead, he stopped the water in the city of Adam, which is almost 20 miles away. So he made a 20 mile wide area for the two million plus people to cross, so they can all get across in a shorter time than it took for the Red Sea. This is a part of God's plan. They didn't see that happening. They thought the priests are going to go, and we're just going to follow them in a line like cattle. 
But God said, no, 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 there's a bigger picture here. I'm doing something you know nothing about. The issue is, do you trust me? And so he stopped the water 20 miles away. It says it stood up in a pile, a big heap. Could you imagine what the city of Adam must have been freaking out? How did this happen? What's going on? But yet it occurred so that these millions of people can get all across at a quicker time. You know, the lesson here that we need to see, you and I may not see what God is doing, but that does not mean he's not doing something. That doesn't mean he's not doing something. And this brings me to my next point. We need to give thanks for God's blessings. We need to give thanks for God's blessings. Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up the twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and to carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, uh, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes of Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Now, did you catch the details about how they picked up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan? Not along the sides, but he says, okay, they already crossed, and you go back to where the, the Levites are with the ark and pick up 12 stones in the middle and bring them back. And it's not like they picked up a, a little marble. He said, put it on your shoulder, carry the thing across. It needs to be something big, something that's obvious. Now, was the big thing to them just remembering that they had crossed over? It wasn't just about just remembering it. It was a much bigger reason God intended for them to do this. It was to be a memorial. Not just for them, but for their kids, for their grandkids, for everybody else down the line. Why? A memorial of what? A memorial of the fact that God keeps his promises. God had promised them to bring them into the promised land. And he did it. God had promised them, you step out of faith, I'm going to stop the water. And he did it. The promises that God gives us, he fulfills each and every one of them. Again, I want to encourage you, read through the Bible. And you've got to look and see the things that God promises, that's his will for our lives. And his will is a yes if we consecrate ourselves and have pure hearts before him. Now, the problem is, when you have memorial... And you see it all the time, it can lose its meaning after a while. So God says, you need to set this up over here, where you're sleeping at. 
Now the amazing thing is that you know the river would go down, the river would swell up, the river would go down, the river would swell up. There's different things about this river that occurred. So they could not always see this memorial. But yet, at certain times of the year, they could see the memorial. And so sometimes when we have something that we do so often, it just becomes a tradition. But if it's something that you don't always have with you, it's even that much more special. You know, I read a story about a very busy couple. Both husband and wife were having problems remembering things, so they decided to go to the doctor to get checked out and to make sure that nothing was wrong. Now, I'm going to keep these names quiet. But George and Brenda went to the doctor. The doctor explained that when you get too many things on your mind, you will have problems with your memory, George. I'm sorry. sorry. The doctor suggested that they might want to start making notes to help them remember things. They thanked the doctor and left. Later that night, while watching TV, the man got up from his chair and started toward the kitchen. Brenda, sorry, his wife asked, Where are you going? He told her, she said, will you give me a bowl of ice cream while you're there? He said, sure. She said, don't you think you should write it down so you can remember it? He said, no, I can remember that. She said, okay, I would also like some strawberries on top. You better write that down because you know you'll forget. He assured her that he wouldn't. But but she said, well, I also want some whipped cream on top of it. I know you'll forget that, so you better write it down. He was obviously irritated, but he managed to say rather nicely, I don't need to write that down, I can remember it. About 20 minutes later, he returned with a plate of bacon and eggs. She stares at it for a moment and then says, I knew you were going to mess this up. You forgot my toast. We can, uh, we can thank Khalifa for that analogy. <laughs> no, we all forget a lot of things. And we need to take precautions to make sure there's certain things we never forget. What's going, here, what's going on here is more amazing than you and I know. When we understand all the details, it's even more complex than that. Joshua 4 verse 19. Let me, let me take us there a minute. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. Now, here's, here's something here. They crossed the Jordan River on the tenth day of Nisan, which is the first month of the Jewish year. Years and years prior, they crossed the Red Sea in the first month of the Jewish year. They crossed both water barriers, their challenges, in the first month of the year. Here we are, the first month of the year. We all have our own personal Jordan Rivers to cross. You have your own Jordan Rivers. And it's going to trouble you. Sometimes we need Jesus to cross it. Sometimes we need my brother or my sister to help me cross it. But that Jordan River, we're bound to cross. That Jordan River is in our way. I don't know what your Jordan River is. Maybe it's dealing with the internet this year. Maybe it's dealing with somebody at your job this year. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's you don't have a spouse. You don't want a spouse. Maybe it's your kids. I don't know what your Jordan River is. But every single one of us in here has a Jordan River to cross. If you're here and you're studying the Bible, pride may be your Jordan River to cross. 
commitment may be your joy of the cross. If you're already a disciple, those two things still may be your joy of the cross. Pride and commitment. I can't tell you what it is, but honestly, you know. And if you don't, ask somebody that really knows you. They'll let you know what it is. But here's the thing. What are you going to do about your Jordan River in 2019? Are you going to stay on the, on the other side of it? Or are you going to enter the promised land and see something amazing? What are you going to do? My challenge for you is this. Will you take the risk to step out on faith and cross your Jordan River? Will you faithfully follow God? He's going to lead the way. He led with the Ark of the Covenant. He said, I'm going to lead you, but you still got to follow. Are you going to follow the Lord this year, 2019? Whether it's coming into the body of Christ or staying faithfully in the body of Christ. Let me close with one more thing here. The city of Adam, again, was between 18 and 20 miles upstream from Jericho. Um, we got a picture of that. It's about the city of Adam, Jericho. It's about 18 to 20 miles. Now, here's some symbolism for you. Jordan means down from judgment. Then the flow of the river would mean the people are still under the judgment of God. The judgments are still there, even though they've already been redeemed from Egypt. But the judgment is still there. So the Jordan River pulls a barrier from entering the promised land. But how can they stop God's judgment from flowing down? They can't. Only God can stop his judgment from flowing down. And God did stop it. Where did he stop the judgment from? Adam. What a coincidence. God chooses of all the cities, the city of Adam, to be the one to stop the flow of judgment that came down upon his people. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm just talking about judgment upon them. No longer did they have that judgment. Starting from the city of Adam. So they were able to enter the promised land. But, look in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. So it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was from the dust of the earth. The second man, from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are on the earth. And as it is for the man from heaven, so are those who are from heaven. And just as we are to be born... The likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Bottom line, judgment stops flowing. Not salvation. The judgment stopped flowing that day against God's people. They were able to enter the promised land. We have the second Adam, Jesus Christ, the spiritual one that leads to salvation for us. Both entering the rest of the promised land. One through crossing the Jordan, the other through the blood of Jesus Christ. The Israelites, before they could take place, the Ark of the Covenant had to be brought forward and put in place in the Jordan River. We must first also obey the word of God and through faith in Jesus receive our salvation. 
The city of Adam was a city that started the flow of water, stopping judgment on the people. You and I today can rejoice because we also have an Adam. Not the first natural one, but one sent from heaven. To help us have salvation through him. And the judgment of God not to flow upon us. 2019 is a lot. The issue is, am I going to step out on faith this year? Even if I don't see immediate results, do I still trust that God keeps his promises and stops the flow from coming down on me? Am I willing to step out on faith? Brothers and sisters, we all have our Jordan River. I want to encourage you, don't let your Jordan River stop you this year from enjoying the full blessings of God. Don't let your Jordan River hold you back. If it's too much for you, take it to Jesus. If you still don't feel like you got enough and need help, take it to a brother or a sister. Because the Jordan River is there, but we're bound to cross. Each and every one of us. Let's not let Satan get a foothold. Let's make this an amazing year for God. And to God be the glory. Amen.